It's one of the basics of the spiritual life. Every one of you are exercising trust. You are depending upon someone or something to give your life meaning. Our study leader, Dave Wurtson, begins with an old man who pumped iron to turn his butterball physique into Atlas so he could get some whistles on the beach. We can laugh at this adolescent desire, but there is a far more enduring respect that comes to an individual who learns from the Old Testament book of Proverbs how to get in spiritual shape. If one of you young guys starts pumping iron, and you get in really good shape, and boy, you've just been working out all winter because you're getting ready for the beach, and boy, you've gotten yourself up, you weigh 180 pounds, your chest is 44, your waist is 28, and your biceps are just rippling, and you get on your bathing suit and you walk down the beach, you'll get a good reputation physically. In other words, you will turn heads. I heard about an old man that was about 50. He was a big butterball. He had a big gut. And he decided he was going to do something about it, so he took a whole year off. Took a whole year off and did nothing but pump iron and run about six miles every day and swim and everything else. And he turned this butterball middle-aged figure into Atlas. And he, he's making millions because he wrote a diary about how he did it. And the reporter from Time Magazine even went down the beach with this guy and sure enough, he had a good reputation on the beach you know, for physically being attractive as a man. What God is saying here, it uses that kind of an expression, but what it's saying is not that you're going to look like a hulk. Because that still could just come and go. But what it says is if you listen to what the daddy is trying to teach you in this book, that you will command respect when you walk into a room. People will know your personality and they will respect you. You will receive grace and favor. They will do things for you. They will open up job opportunities. You know, the truth of the matter is that there are some wise men and wise women in this room because they have built on what the book of Proverbs is saying. And they are known throughout the community as being men of respect and women of respect. And wherever they go, they receive favor. And Jesus Christ was like that as a boy. It says in Luke chapter 2, and He increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God, vertical dimension, and man. So the book of Proverbs, what I'm, what I'm trying to get across to you, listen young people, listen adults, listen children, the biblical lifestyle is not a disaster area. It's not something to feel inferior about. It's not something to train your kids. Give it all up for Jesus. You play the piano really well, junk the piano. Suffer for Christ. You're a good speaker, Man, sacrifice it on the altar. Never use it. That isn't holy. That's not the way God is. You know how we should win the world? One of the ways that we should win the world is because as we're involved with the unbelieving world, our lives should be so fragrant, so attractive, so together, that they want what we have. And I think a lot of times we don't have that. And I think the reason we don't have it is because Satan is working on his most deadly lie. God doesn't love you. God isn't dependable. God wants to take all the happiness away from you. And I want you to understand, God will take some things away from you. 
He'll take moral cyanide away from you. He does not want you to drink it and die. He'll take a lot of things away from you that would hurt you, but He'll never take something away from you that ultimately would be good for you because He loves you. Now we come to those real famous verses. These are the verses, all the all. How many high school seniors do we have here? Okay, these are the high school senior verses. How many college seniors do we have here, or seminary graduates, getting ready to graduate this seminary? This is the graduating verse. You say, why do you say that? Because you got to decide where you're going to go to college. So what you do? Oh, I got it. Trust in the Lord with all my heart. Am I trusting enough? Boy, I prayed six hours today. Boy, I haven't eaten my breakfast, haven't eaten my lunch. I think I've gotten across to God. I'm trusting Him. Now, eeny, meeny, money, mo. Lord, where do you want me to go to school? And now I need to trust in you with all my heart. I shouldn't lean upon my own understanding. Boy, I need to know God and all that I do. And God's going to direct me. Which school should I go to? That's why I say it's the graduation verse. How many of you have ever used this verse? You came to a real crisis in your life and you open up. There it is. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. The verse to find God's will for your life. How many of you have done that? And a lot of you have used it like, it's like a magical verse. This is the little quote that whenever you're in a crisis of decision making, go running to this verse. Now, I'm not saying that that won't work because God's very gracious and He'll enable a lot of things to work. But I want you to understand that in the flow of the book of Proverbs, this is not a crisis verse to be run to when you have to decide whether to go to A&M or Baylor, or UT, or Moody Bible Institute, or Stanford University, wherever you're going to go, or, or whether you're going to decide whether you're going to be a doctor, or a lawyer, or a nurse, or whatever you're going to be. It doesn't say that. That's not really the point of the verse. This is the point of the verse. Number one, it's to be your total lifestyle. It's to be the way you live every day. You trust in the Lord with all your inner personality. Brothers and sisters, you need to nail it down who you're going to depend upon. A lot of you teenagers depend upon your friends. You are thoroughly convinced that your friends are authorities on skillful living. You wear what your friends tell you. You go to where your friends tell you to go. You listen to what your friends tell you to listen. You are trusting in your friends. One of the things I would ask you to do today is just examine yourself. Are your friends giving you the best information? Are your friends really the sages about life? In fact, I would talk to the adults. Some of you are trusting some counselors at work. And in books that you read, there's authors. Every single one of you have someone, something that you're depending upon. Now what the book of Proverbs is saying is that a skillful life begins with somebody that foundationally trusts God. Now that's the hardest thing for you to do. It's what I've been talking to you about almost all morning. I tell you God is kind. Some of you go, baloney. Now you don't tell me that. You sit there all piously. Oh yeah, God is kind. God is good. I really believe that. The hardest thing in my life is to believe that God is good. In my old nature side. I think I know what's good. I get angry with God. I get bitter with God. So do you. That's why a lot of you are having a hard time trusting. You need to just really think through. You know, I think a lot of times preachers tell you, trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
And so the kids get real emotionally. Mom and dad get real emotional. Yeah, let's get down on our knees. We're going to trust God with all of our hearts. And if I ask them, well, who is God? Who are you trusting in? You don't have the foggiest idea. You don't ask yourself that question. If I said, I want you to trust in Jack the Ripper, it would be equivalent to that. How many of you have ever met Jack the Ripper? How many of you know what Jack the Ripper is like? Well, you say, the name sounds ominous. How do you know? Maybe Jack the Ripper is very kind. Maybe it's not the Jack the Ripper that you've heard about in history. You see what I'm saying? I want you to, I want you to get serious about God. So you come to church every Sunday and you think, you know, oh, we're going to worship God. Some of you never really get that serious about who this God is, what He's like. I would challenge somebody to say, well, why should I trust in Him? What kind of character does He have? What kind of a personality is God? What are His attributes? What is He like? Why should I depend upon Him? The book of Proverbs will answer some of those questions. Read through the book of Proverbs. Just ask yourself, what does this book teach me about God? Then you'll be able to trust Him. The ancient Near East, when they read this verse, they would understand it very well. What would they understand? They would understand that when you went in before a great oriental monarch, you didn't come bopping in as I've taught you before and say, Hello, Pharaoh, good to see you today. What's going on? You want to go fishing? If you came into Pharaoh's court like that, you'd be fed to the lions or have your head, they'd probably put you in with a nice cobra and then they worship the cobra and eat you. You didn't treat an oriental monarch like that. When you came in before an oriental monarch, you would prostrate yourself flat on your belly. Flat on what you'd be saying is, I depend upon you, my Lord. I trust in you. And sometimes the oriental monarch would come and put his foot on your neck. Hopefully, very carefully. And he would be expressing, you're totally under my authority. I am the king. Now, a lot of oriental monarchs, you should never do that with because they were bums. But the Hebrews were totally different. They did not have a capricious king. They didn't have an earthly king. They had the most loving daddy. They had the most wise king. They had the most moral god. They had the ultimate being in all the universe. And a wise Hebrew was to prostrate themselves, not just when it was time to decide about a career, not just when it was time to decide what college you were going to go to, but in everyday decisions of life, to have that attitude of mind. Who do you trust? Who do you depend upon? I trust in God with all my heart. You know, this whole chapter is just a commentary on thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart. And love your neighbor as yourself. This whole chapter 3, we're on the first part. Loving God with all your heart. It's related to trusting God with all your heart. Then it says don't lean upon your own ability to make moral, ethical, skillful decisions in life. I want you to notice something. It doesn't say don't use your mental ability. Some of you have the idea, if you come to Jesus, you just throw your mental abilities to the wind. I was raised in an environment. If you're really going to be dedicated to Christ, you don't develop your intellectual abilities. In fact, that's been one, just to be honest with you, it's been one of the inner struggles of my life. In other words, to really get competent in a field was always a drive of my heart. And the Lord did give me some abilities that way, but I'd always feel guilty. Because the idea was, if you're really going to live close to the Lord, you've got to bury your intellect. 
And believers can't really go out and compete in the secular world. It wasn't until I got in seminary and I was sitting next to one of my close friends who was from Princeton, which is one of the top universities in the land, and I got to know him and, and, and I talked to a lot of my other friends and a lot of these guys were valedictorian to their class and everything else. And suddenly the Lord started to say, hey, you know, Dave, I gave you some abilities in that way. You're all right intellectually. You can do it. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's just a gracious gift that I've given you from the Lord, that I've, that I've given you graciously. Develop it. Use it for my glory. But for a long time, the environment that I was in was scared to death of education. Some of you might be scared to death of education. You're scared to really get involved in the school. You think everybody, you think there's a, you think there's a boogeyman under every bush. And you think if a new concept comes in, oh no, there goes our faith. Listen, our faith isn't fragile like that. I mean it, brothers and sisters. Jesus can handle it. I want our young people to invade the campuses. Excel like Daniel did of old. And win the Nebuchadnezzar of the world to Jesus Christ. Don't be intimidated as a believer. The Scripture never tells you to bury your mind. I want to share something with you. Our faith can handle any question, ultimately. Ultimately, we might have to wait till we get to heaven to get some of the answers. But when we get to heaven, there's going to be total rational integration. And I want to challenge you, there's not one of you that with your mind, developed to the highest epitome of its development, will ever transcend the marvelous teaching and wisdom that's in this book. It's going to take the greatest mind to even begin to scratch the surface. And yet the most marvelous thing at all of it all, Kelly Grace, when she's just a little girl, will be able to respond with her heart, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. The very important area I'm bringing up right now, don't feel as a believer that you bury your mind. It's not what Proverbs is saying. But you know what Proverbs is saying? Don't think that with your mind, that you can decide the ultimate question of what is right, what is wrong. Don't think with your mind that you can be the final arbitrator. You can be the final judge of what a happy life is and what an unhappy life is. Because you can't. Because you're not God. You see, this verse, you see when it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, it's just stating the other side of the coin. You trust in the Lord with all your heart, you don't trust in yourself. You don't lean upon your own ability to make moral decisions. You use your mind to understand what God is saying. You use your heart. You respond from the depths of your personality to what God is revealing in His Word. And you are not a prideful person. You're not a self-made person. But you're a humble, dependent person. Not an incompetent person. Not a person that uses God to fill in the blanks that you can't answer. But you're a humble person that really is in touch with a God that genuinely is there. And you don't depend upon your own mental ability. You depend upon the revealed Word of God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lie down, face down in His hands, like it's saying here. Then don't lean upon your own ability to make moral decisions. In everything that you do, seek to know Him. be a great way to translate that verse. In every single thing that you do, Enjoy intimate relationship with Him. 
You children and young people say, well, Dave, what's God's will for my life? I'll tell you what God's will for your life is. He wants you to know Him in everyday life. He wants you to include Him in everyday life. You say, Dave, as an adult, what does God want me to do? You say, I'm a school teacher. What does God want me to do? He wants you to know Him in that school. He wants you to enjoy intimate relationship with Him in that school. You say, well, you know, I'm a doctor. What, do you want to, what does God want me to do? He wants you to know Him as a doctor. In fact, you might find as you walk through life, you might walk in and out of seven or eight or nine different professions. God might have a very exciting life for you. He might take you in and out of several different things. But through it all, I promise you, this is always His will for your life, to know Him. And that knowing Him is not an internal, mystical relationship. It's not just that. To know Him, you must know His kindness and His truth. Which goes back to verse 1, you must know His instruction and His commands. You can't tell me that you know God if you don't know what He says. If you don't listen to what He says. He says, in all your ways, know Him. Enjoy intimacy with Him through obeying what He instructs you to do. Then you know what He promises you? He says, I'll make all your paths smooth. You know what a lot of you are worried about? A lot of you are worried about the fact of what the Lord wants you to do with your life. And I want to share something with you. None of you can figure out what God wants you to do with your life. See, you're all upset. Who you're going to marry? Where are you going to go to school? I want to share something with you. When you look back over about 20 years of your life, you're going to go, phew, that was an exciting turn. Well, I can't believe that. And wow, that decision I made. I would have never guessed it would turn out like this. You say, Dave, what do I need to nail down in my life? You really need to nail this down. You need to decide, am I going to trust in the Lord with all my heart? I sit before you today and I, I, I just want to share with you one of the dominant base level value systems of our family is God is trustable. We will trust in Him. We will develop our mental abilities. I will not teach my boys or my little girl, bury your brain. As a daddy that's a little bit farther down the road, I will go with them into the arena because I've read a little bit more. I will not feed them to the lions, but I will never communicate to them, you're a believer, you're a little bit inferior, and God wants you to bury your mind. But I also want them to be humble. Pride is the most deadly enemy that we've got. And I've got it, and you've got it, and my kids have got it. And so one of the value systems of our family is we will develop all of our abilities, but we will develop them in dependence upon our Lord, not leaning upon our own abilities, never being autonomous, never thinking we can call the shots. In our everyday life, we want to know Him. Dad needs to be the same in the home as he is Sunday morning. If he isn't, he needs to say it's sorry and confess it and return to that reality. Children need to grow up in a home where dad and mom intimately know God and obey him in their everyday life experience. And then you know what God says? R.G. Letourneau made a marvelous machine. 
He was an unbelievable genius. He'd make a million dollars, lose a million dollars. Make a million dollars, lose a million dollars. Right? One of the things that he made a million dollars on and lost a million dollars was this jungle machine. And this jungle machine, you could take it to Africa, and at one end of the machine, it would cut down gigantic trees. It would just knock trees down, chew them up, spit them all over the place. And the front of the machine was jungle. At the back of the machine, there would be a macadam road. And that's what God is saying He's going to do for you. Life is a jungle. And what He's saying is if you'll trust in Him with all your heart in your everyday life, if you won't lean upon your own ability, in other words, you'll submit to the teaching of the Holy Word of God, you'll learn it, you'll think about it, you'll internalize it, you'll obey it. And in everything you do, you'll seek to enjoy intimacy with God. Then God says He'll bring in His divine R.G. Laternal earth moving machine, road building machine, and he'll make a road for you. When I was in high school, I was going to be a medical missionary to China. I majored in science. I really wasn't that good in science. I really was much better in liberal arts kind of things, like verbal skills and that. But I worked on science, because God was calling me to be a medical missionary in China. I went to Houghton College. I even majored in pre-med. Because I was going to be a medical missionary to China. So I'm here to testify today I've missed God's will for my life. And I'm really washed up in God's family. I tried. I received the call. The Lord called me to be a medical missionary in China. But I'm not there, so I blew it. I'm sorry. So we ought to just close in a word of prayer because that's probably what's going to happen to a whole lot of you. Some of you were in a meeting when you were a little kid and you gave boy, your call to the ministry. Then you found out you couldn't speak your way out of a wet paper bag. You see, I went to apply to medical school and I didn't get accepted. You say, how can you ever say that? You want to cover up those failures. Listen, you all have failures. It's about time we're honest. I applied at several different medical schools. I had an interview at Syracuse University. I didn't get in. I just plain didn't get in. My grades weren't good enough on the MedCAD to get in. That happened. So I'm washed up in my life. My life doesn't have any fulfillment. I've been crying ever since. I haven't been able to do anything for people. The Lord hasn't used me. I'm really sorry. You need to pray for me. That's not what I'm telling you today. You know what I'm telling you today? You have your dreams when you're kids. And you need to dream those dreams. I'm so glad I majored in pre-med. Because the Lord's opened up lots of... I've got a close friend that's a physicist that's done Ph.D. work at the University of Pittsburgh. And I can understand his letters when he writes to me. And it's one of the neatest things in the world because he's just a very dear friend. And that's super. I'm so glad I took physical chemistry. The Lord didn't want me to use any medicine. Dave Ferris is a close friend of mine. He is a doctor. And he's very dear to me. But I could never do what David does. Not that I wouldn't have the skills. I think now I probably would have the skills. I probably, you know, in God's will, maybe I could have gone back. It wasn't God's will, but maybe I could have pushed it. But if I'm really honest deep in my heart, I'm just not into that. It's not what I like to do. And I think if I was really honest, if I were to ask you, do you all want me to be a medical doctor? I think a whole lot of you would say, no. It's not what you fly in. It's not what you really have the talent to do. And you're right. And God knew that all along. And so He guided me in and out. He took me to college, caused me to major in chemistry, minor in math, took me through that phase of my life. 
Then he took me to debt. He caused me to not get into medical school. He didn't clear that highway. He cleared another highway. Took me to Dallas. I never thought about being a pastor. An opportunity came up to come to Midlothian. And so I took it. The Lord cleared a little bit of a highway and we arrived here. The Lord never said, well, I'm going to leave you there because I have a job for you to do. But we're here. Very fulfilled. My life is very meaningful. What a fantastic place to raise your kids and to have people that love you. What I'm trying to get across to you is you're not going to figure out all the details. You can use your mind in deciding those things. I don't want you to get the idea that my decision to go to seminary was haphazard. It wasn't. Cross Hendricks has been telling me since I was a little kid I'd be going there. And he knew my skills were in that area. It just took me a long time to find it out. But it wasn't wasted time. God was moving. Just like He's going to move in all of your heart. And what I'm trying to share with you from the bottom of my heart, what holds it all together is nailing down these concrete values of your life. You say, Dave, are you going to be a pastor the rest of your life? I don't know. Don't depend upon me. Don't put your security in me or anyone else. I don't know what God's plan is going to be. You say, well, Dave, what in the world do you know? I know who I can trust. I know I can trust Him right now because He's kind and because He's loving. That's why I tell you about Him. Not because I feel terrible guilt. I tell you about Him because He's so kind. He's so loving. He means so much to me. He's brought so much shalom, so much peace into my life. I want you to have that peace. I'm not going to lean upon my own abilities. I'll depend upon Him. And I believe God's will for me right now, and I trust in these last few moments as I've been teaching you, that I've communicated knowledge of Him, what it means to know Him, a little slice of life with God. If I get those three things right, depending upon Him with all my heart, not leaning upon my own ability to make moral decisions in life, but depending upon His revealed Word of God, and in everything that I do, enjoying intimacy with Him, then He brings the earth-moving equipment in. And he makes the road of life move towards that glorious destination of the people of God. Brothers and sisters, wise decisions about life did not flow out of the crisis of a decision-making moment. They flow out of a healthy, spiritual, loving walk in the everydayness of today.